This is Living in the And, a safe space to process faith, God, and religion. Even though our conversations may challenge you and the perception of church, our goal is to get back to the simplicity and beauty of faith and community. Okay, hello. We're so excited um, to, to be back and to be processing this journey of church and struggles and joy and family and relationships and <laughs> all the things, all the things, because it fully is kind of enticed all in one together. Yeah. I mean, that used to be my tagline when I had a blog. Well, I still have a blog, but I don't really necessarily go, um, go along with it, but it was the messy mingling. And it was just really, the focus was the, the messiness of life and faith and every, it's all encompassing, right? Life and faith. When you have faith, your life is a part of that. They're yeah. not two separate entities. And so they all get mixed up. I will. Okay. I just thought of something and I hope it doesn't go too off topic. Do you think people feel that way? One in other religions, mm. or is that a Christianity issue? Mm. I don't know. So if you have wisdom on this, yeah. freaking DM us yeah. or message us question. or make a comment because I don't know. I've only been in one religion ever. So I wonder if that is a Christianity where it's it's all encompassing because we've taken Bibles, verses, studies, sermons, and shame and have tos and supposed tos. Mm. And so then it is all encompassing in life. Yeah. Ooh, that's that good. just went somewhere. I didn't yeah. plan that. I don't know. I really don't know. I don't know either. I, I, I mean, when with... I think about other religions, yes, their life is their religion is their life and their life is their religion. But I don't know if they, I think they live their lives. And religion and or spirituality are a part of it, but it's not the driving them. And it's not the driving force or the, the place where they make every thought and decision. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. That's a great, that's a great question. And I think that's a good question to start this episode with. Okay, good. Well, then I'm glad it came up. So um, what we're <laughs> going to be talking about today, it's probably going to go in a few different directions, but what I really am feeling is how we take scripture in the Bible to fit our narrative. And so whether that's a narrative of your convictions mm -hmm. when you're talking to somebody else in a relationship and or how we fit sermon messages and change scripture or pull out a word or a phrase to fit the narrative of the church. Mm -hmm. um, so right now we're in fall, everything's in a launching season. Yeah. Um, and so you're going to hear a big push in church right now about groups. Yeah. Joining groups, yeah. getting in groups, why we need groups, why we need community. And I will say hands down community is so important. Yes. You can have community outside of the church. Yes. My favorite community. Amen. amen my favorite <laughs> community is outside the church because it feels organic. Yeah. Meanwhile, I've met some really great relationships in the church yeah. and they don't go to the church anymore yeah. or um, even had a really sweet conversation with somebody that I was in a group with last year that was super genuine and authentic. And it was three minutes and we were in a group mm -hmm. and we could be really real with each other about where that group is going and the fact that I don't know of anything about it and how I felt. Yeah. And so I love the blessing of little minutes mm -hmm. of authenticity from people I have found in groups and community. But even more, I love how it transcends outside of yeah. church. 
Yeah. Which is I mean, a message that is pushed yes, too. I mean, I will say we had a quote unquote life group. You know, there's so many Christian terms and Christianese language, but we had a group, a life group at church that started, oh gosh, why it was one. So, and he's now 13. So 12 years ago and like half of our kids that are in the life group were not born and now they're all growing up. And we're all in different phases and places, but yet we're still friends and we still Marco Polo all the time. So that is a good example of the church gave us the opportunity. They provided the opportunity for us to meet. And then we nurtured our friendships and our relationships outside of the church because we don't meet to do Bible study anymore. We truly do life together. Yeah. Um, We don't meet to do Bible study or anything like that. Yeah. Where church is great is in the younger kid years. Yeah. When you do childcare. Yeah. That's like one of the best ways to do quote unquote life groups is because you need childcare. So I do love that it fits that mold even though we still pay for our childcare. Anyway, side note there, <laughs> meaning at the church, we're paying for our childcare. Um, okay, so yeah, yesterday it was just the verses in Philippians, they did, I think, one through eight. Um, and I read them and I hear one thing and it speaks to me. Other people heard these verses and pulled something very different out of mm, them, which is what I love. Yeah, I do love that we all interpret it with our own filter and yeah. what we need to hear. But our sermons also being tweaked to fill that message because that's how I feel and that's how I felt and it feels yucky. Okay. So you're saying that there is these groups that are launching and so they saw a need and they created a sermon around the need to fill these groups with people. Uh, yes, and, and I will utilize, preface by saying that this is my understanding because you, I'm not in the planning meetings right, of how right, they right, plan right. their sermons. Yeah. So this is just my observation after sitting in church for going to be 39 in two weeks, 39 years, Yeah, how I see the flows of sermons, yeah. the needs that the church is yeah. wanting to meet. Yeah. And I, yes. it's funny you said that because I remember way back when, when Scott and I were first dating and we were at a church, it was one of the first mega churches really, um, it was in the, well, early two thousands, late nineties, late nineties. I'm trying to think when we were dating. Um, and the nineties is when the mega church started. Blossoming, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And so we, they would do the sermon and then there would be this perfect song that went with the sermon yeah, that me. they would play at the end. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Scott was like, this is dumb. <laughs> Uh-huh. Well, he just saw like, what are we doing? You know, it did like, it feel like emotional manipulation? To yes, him? I think so. Yeah. Like we're trying to get you to feel something. And so we're going to play this song that we're going to pretend like it was a surprise. Like, oh, surprise. We found this. <laughs> like the pastor just gave us this great message and was like anointed by God. And then this met this song. Oh, let's just get the worship team out here and, and just randomly sing the song. That's how it was treated. It wasn't treated as a program. Like they programmed it that way. All right. And so, yes, I definitely feel that. And you'll see that a lot. Like if they're is needs in the children's program or they do a marriage sermon. Yeah, they'll share like, a story. Yes. So they'll do a marriage sermon. They'll be like, and then we have this re-engaged program over here. Come to this re-engaged program. So yeah, it is. it does feel a little manipulative. It sure does. And I wa- want to. But I think the intentions, let me preface it by saying, I think the intentions it are good. That's, great. That's what I was just going to say. Part. The intentions are good. The programs are needed to a degree. Yeah. Um, and yes, we want the churches to provide opportunities for people to heal 
and grow yeah. and mature. And have resources and yeah. guides because yeah. there's people that are new to this thing that need the guides. Or just like, in life, like re-engage yeah. is really about healing your marriage. And so it's an it's an opportunity for, for people to come and work on their marriage, right? So, yeah. which is a great thing. But is there a way, a better way to do it than to feel like you're inserting it? Like, why can't you just say we have re-engage? Why does it have to be this whole dog and pony show of let me give you this message and then tag that to the end of it? They do it with serving too, with service needs. So they'll preach a pre uh, a sermon and then they'll tag on this we have this group for you or we have this opportunity for you to serve in this area. And I just preached. Yeah. On it. So like just, they'll take spiritual giftings. Like your message will be on your right. sermon will be on your spiritual gift. Right. And then they'll wrap that into serving. Yeah. When your spiritual gifts don't necessarily have to be used in serving. I am. I had that written down. So Brittany this is and I, why I just, we work. Yes. So Brittany and I don't talk about, we talk about the topic. We say what the topic's going to be. We don't talk about what we're going to say until we put, we hit record because this is just the way we work. So I was thinking about my husband and for so long, I'm like, you need to serve. You need to serve. Cause that's what years ago. You're saying years ago, yeah. years ago yeah. when it, in my mind, you're not a good, not that I didn't think he was a good Christian, but like the Christianly thing to do is you go to church on Sunday, you serve, yeah. your kids are in Sunday school. You have your Kumbaya devotionals as a family around the table perfectly with the candle lit and Amy Grant playing background. Like that's the nineties version of church yeah. that I grew up with. And I remember him saying, well, there's nothing at church that I want to do to serve. And he wasn't being selfish. He wasn't being ugly, but none of those things, he's like, that feels awful to me. Like yeah. it doesn't, it's not what I'm designed to do. And I have no desire to be a parking guy or a greeter or a leader in that way. And they only give you 12 areas to serve in or 12 programs to go to. And not that we can do everything and offer everything, but we need to give space for people who don't fit the molds that we have created or go or fit into the programs that we've created within the church and allow space for them to find that outside of the church because there are good ways to find it with good people who are believers and even good people who aren't believers that you can have a great relationship with 100%. and you can serve your community you can serve or you can find community in a group outside that just feels more organic i don't know like my kids especially one of them is not a youth group kid yeah like that is just not his thing and it was looked down upon like, oh, did they go on Wednesday nights? And when I'd say no, there was almost like this, oh, like a gasp, yes. you know? And it's like, I'm not forcing my kid into a situation that makes him feel uncomfortable. And that's not how what he was created for. Right. He wasn't created for pomp and circumstance and 55 million kids in games. That's right. not no, where he finds. My son either. Yeah. And he's literally been told at his little church, like, you can't play games, bro. Because he dislocated his shoulder last year. Mm. In a game, and yeah. they're like, you're a liability. Yeah. Sit down, Caswell, yeah. you know. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, and there's this expectation that we go to these programs or we serve in this capacity within the church, and we're serving our own kind, almost. Oh, 100%. Um, I remember when I was really involved in groups. And again, I have loved seasons of groups. Yes. I, I'm not. We're not saying yes. that this is a bad thing. Correct. We're not saying that the opportunities to serve or the programs that are provided are bad. What we're saying is that within the church, we need to, okay, let me give you the window story, right? Yeah. Okay. So I was listening to someone talk and she said, I don't go to a church without windows. 
And I was like, oh, that's interesting. And she goes, because when you are in a building where there are no windows, you don't see your community outside. So you're closed in and all you see are the people that you're with within that room or within that building. And so I go to buildings with windows. So I remember that there is a community that I need to serve and be a part of outside of this building. And so many pastors and preachers will say church isn't in these four walls or it's not a part of this building, but we get so inundated and involved and overcommitted in serving in programs within the four walls of our churches with no windows that we forget about the homeless or we forget about the kids that don't have meals and mm-hmm. the, and we give all of our money and our time, time to this building and people within these four walls who yes they have needs there are hurting people in the church yeah i hope there are because that's what the church is for not yeah. that i want people to hurt but you know what i mean i want hurting people to find um um, relief within the church. However, we get so enclosed within our own community and our own kind by serving and being in these programs that we forget there's a whole world outside. Yeah. And it's weird if you think of like organized religion as a whole, and you look at most places of worship, they are very enclosed without a lot of windows. Yeah. You have some windows in the atrium, but drive by a Hindu temple. True. Their main sanctuaries and stuff, like your main True. sanctuaries are not open and lit. Your atriums are. Yeah, that's a really <clears throat> interesting thought about the windows. And yeah, I think that what happens is you need programs, you know, to feel on mission yeah. and have purpose. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and to serve your people. <laughs> it's a way to serve a broad, it's a broad way to serve your, your congregation without having to serve the individual. Yeah, but that's the issue to me. <laughs> <laughs> Do you that, know what I'm saying? But I yeah, think that's the issue to me too. That's the that's the problem is like you're so busy creating your structured groups and programs that we're now bending our sermons to fit the need. Yeah. Your people are exhausted. Yes. You're drained financially. Yeah. You don't have any extra time. And so like you're saying, nothing is being met outside of that. Yeah. Because you don't have time. You might not even have time to make your own family a meal because you're so busy. And I've seen this. Yes. I've lived this. I I've have seen lived it. it. I have lived giving infants to, over to my husband so I can go and serve, serve. someone else yeah. in the church. Yeah. And because you which signed you up should, for a commitment. Which you should in life serve others. Like I have, there is so much joy and so much goodness in serving others. There's just a healthy way to do it. And for some people, I feel like it looks like being in the church and serving inside the church or going to a program inside the church. And for others, it looks like serving the community outside of the church and, and being in community outside of the church. And I think what I'm saying is that's living in the end and you need to, you need to be okay with allowing the congregation to serve and be in programs outside of the four walls of the church. I, out of an observation, when I look at people that either run nonprofits or go and serve in a lot of nonprofits um, or just do things out of the goodness of their heart, they are not regular church attenders. Yeah. And they seem to have a different joy and lightness in doing it. Because it's not an obligation. Yeah. It's like a, 
oh, let's just do this, or yeah. uh, I get to do this, yeah. or I'm taking my kids or to go do this. Or they're using their gifting and how they were they were created to be to do that thing. I was and I was thinking, you know, we're shamed or judged for not serving or in these areas, or our kids not going to these programs, or we're not going to these programs. We're shamed and judged for that in the church. Yeah, I agree. And I think that's wrong too. I think, absolutely. Yeah, I think that um, the there is an obligation to serve or to be a part of these programs. And if you're not, something's wrong with you and your faith. So my what I would say the reasons that these exist so strong within a church and the why they have to push it, why they have to offer them, is because essentially churches are businesses. Yeah. And so you've got a bottom line you mm-hmm. still need to meet, whether that's in a profit margin of selling your materials. Yeah. Um, utilizing your people. Yeah. You can't have a, you know, um, event director or communications director if you don't have all these things to offer. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to justify that person's salary, which I think they're not paying taxes on. Um, the salaried person is. Are you sure? Mm-hmm. I actually don't know that. Uh, I, I have actually, to ask the husband because he would know. Yeah, because I had actually heard one point that like most of the time the people that are getting salaried right. because it's wrapped in a 5513C353, yeah. whatever, <laughs> uh, whatever the C, the 5, the 3, and the 1. Yes. There's all those in there. 5013C, um, something Yes. Like. Um, That's interesting. I actually don't well, know their tax, but then side note. Churches will not function without volunteers and people who work for free. Right. So they have to push that. And gosh, I just think back to the church in Acts and they served each other in their community and not, not their community in their homes where they met. They were in their physical communities and in their, the people they lived with outside of their four walls of their home. So, I mean, they, when they tithed and they gave and they took care of, it was, there was so much purpose to it and it was, it was, um, like sustainable. And, and so, you know, it's funny cause I've, I've had conversation, we've had conversations in our family about giving overseas, which is fine. I don't have any problem with that. But when you look at the hunger rates of people in Dallas, um, or North Texas, yes, Frisco, or even. you look at, or you talk about adoption and fostering and we're all going international Absolutely. and there are children in our country Absolutely. and we're not talking about that in our churches. Absolutely. Um, or sometimes a Christian counselor is great and sometimes it's not enough, Yeah, you know, for a marriage or for an individual. And so I think there needs to be, instead of this, there needs to be a dichotomy of, look, we have all these opportunities for you to serve and we have all these opportunities for you to attend these programs. But we also know that there's a community outside of our four walls that needs you to be a part of it. I actually was very, um, even though I had, and you got to go back and listen to our episode before this, our um, flip-flop episode, but um, even though I had some um, reservations. reservations about what was preached yesterday in the message, I had some questions and thoughts. Um, at the end, he said, you know, he was talking about family and parenting and things of that nature. And he said, you know, everyone has to make their own decision on how they educate their families. And I'm not saying that. But if everyone pulls their kids out of public school and homeschools, who's going to be the light in the public school? If you believe that Christians are the light to the world, right? And we're going to bring in something that is so... Um, attractive, like a a joy-filled life and peace and all that stuff. 
and you take all of those kids out, then the kids who are left aren't going to experience that. So I think the same thing when it comes to serving in programs is there is an opportunity for us to serve outside of our four walls, but we're so committed to serving within our four walls with no yeah. windows and our programs that we yeah. have that there is You're no time left. There's no time. There's yeah. no money. There's no energy. Yeah. There's no anything. Yeah. And you know, it's so crazy. The verse go and be the light of the world. Yeah. Something is wrong because the minute you say God, Jesus, Christian, Light has been dimmed now. Yeah. People think it's so prickly. Mm -hmm. They don't see brightness, no. joy, and light no. when you say those things. Yeah. It has become one of those things that immediately has a knee-jerk reaction yeah. is, ew. And, and Something's wrong why, with that. Yeah, and why are we not changing how we do church? Right. Or saying, hey, maybe we should change how we do church. I don't, I don't know if those questions are being had because it's, change is hard. And maybe we have been too into ourselves and not internal, but I'm like trying to give you the word that I'm trying yeah, to yeah, say. Yeah. We're like enclosed. Yeah. We're, we're, we have no windows on our buildings and we're only serving within our buildings. Not to say people aren't going out and serving. No, people still do. They do. Sure, sure. But everything is us focused. Everything is how do we serve us? How do we serve this church? What programs can we t attend at the ch this church? Where can my kid go at this church? Where can my marriage go at this church? Where can my singleness go at this church? Instead of going, where can I go out into my community and find relationship, help, opportunities to serve? Um, we're constantly looking inward and there's not a lot of expression outward. And when it is outward, it feels like it's international, not communal. Yeah, I agree. At the same token, those inward programs are needed. I think yes, the issue agreed. is that we have scaled so large yes. that you need, in order for that ministry to run, because it's gotten so large now, now you need more volunteers versus instead of having 10, yeah. you need 40. Yeah. And you need more facilitators because it stayed big. Like my son goes to a really sweet, small church mm -hmm. in McKinney. And they do their like life group Bible study yeah. all in one right after service. They only have one service. Love then it. everybody goes into their quote unquote Sunday school. Yeah. But it's also run like a life group. People are bringing meals to share together and yeah. coffee cakes yeah. and <clears throat> everything is. And that's so good. Right there and that's it's sweet. so good. And it's Remember sweet. old and school potlucks? Yes. You yes. could never have a potluck in a mega church. No. And maybe, maybe that's. You could at home. But you're yeah. too busy doing it. I'm doing church, yeah. but you can't go home and do a potluck. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it's all Host in your home and have those organic. So I think what we're trying to say is we need to be open to living in the and of what community looks like, what service looks like, what getting help looks like. Yeah. Not that it, that it shouldn't be a part of the church. Um, but maybe we need to take a hard look at why why is Christianity so prickly to others today? And maybe that's because we've gone so inward and so we've we've linked arms with one another so tightly to try and protect ourselves from something. Maybe I don't know that there's no room to link arms with anybody else. Yeah, I agree. You know, and when you do step out of that building and you go out into your community and you serve a neighbor or um, I don't know, someone in need in your community, or you go find help in a different capacity, you're, you're opening the doors and you're putting windows on the building of the church and you're spreading out 
Jesus and the, and the imperfections in yourself, right? Because if you're going to find help, you're saying, look, there's imperfections in me I need to work on. Um, and so isn't this like we put ourselves on a pedestal? And so maybe we just need to be more, give more grace to serving what serving actually is and what maybe we need to redefine what serving is and what it looks like and what community looks like. I agree. And I really think that it's okay if you're relating to what we're saying, questioning the business model. Yeah. You know, we have an issue with mega church as a business. Yeah. And I get pastors need to be paid. I respect that. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's needed. Staff needs to be paid. But there's an issue with the mega church. If you're a millionaire pastor and you know, and you never feel a financial struggle in your life while your many members in your congregation are to support your financial needs, that's an issue. Well, and I think it's just also an issue of when we're constantly giving money to buildings and building projects and lights and expansions, camera action and to the show instead of to the children that are, my kids go to school with that don't have food, like, what are we doing? What are, where are our priorities? And so maybe that's the question is where are our priorities and why can't we open the doors to serving and community outside of the four walls of church? Because you can find Christians outside of the four walls. You can also find really great people who don't believe. I have a, one of my best friends. We are on different views when it comes to faith and we have them. I, my faith is strengthened in my conversations with her. And so we have this fear of like, if I hang out with this person, then I'm not going to get godly healing or godly wisdom. And I'm like, oh my gosh. So you've just made God real tiny. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There is so much wisdom from people that don't follow a a faith structure or identify as a Christian or um, one thought on the business standpoint, being a business owner. One of the things that is starting to be talked about in the hair industry is, you know, I say niche. I know everybody's niching these days, but I'm a niche. Yeah. Like we grew up saying niche in California. Okay. Niche is good. Niche is good. But yeah, you're niching or you're niching down. (laughs) And um, what it's doing as a professional hairstylist and a creative is you're putting yourself in a box where you can never change. Yeah. And the church has done the same thing. So if you're saying I'm only an extension specialist, I'm only a blonde specialist. Right. But one day you're bored as hell. Yeah. And you or your body needs to do something different because stitching those extensions freaking hurts your hands. Right. But you've built your entire business model and you will literally go under Mm -hmm. because you don't have a gray coverage to keep you afloat. Right. Or a haircut to keep you afloat. You are trapped because your last 10 years have been built around niching down. Yeah. And you're stuck. And the same is true for the megachurch. And the same has happened to the megachurch. That's the correlation. I agree. You can't just say, I only, we Mm -hmm. only, our whole focus is growth and programs and serving and giving. When that's an only, you're not seeing your people and you're not seeing a bigger picture. Yeah. Because you don't have have any windows on your building. You have to be willing to change. You have to have an and of, you know, I could lose it all tomorrow mm-hmm. and I, and I still have faith yeah. in a different mission. Yeah. That's so good. I think that's a great place to end. Okay. Yay.